like a playset, like a like a backyard adventure kind of deal. You remember when those guys were in business? And uh, but you know our pocketbooks couldn't afford the uh, the backyard adventure type, so we got another different type that uh, actually came from uh, Walmart. So really fancy deal. No, not really. But anyway, it was it was a nice, it was a good swing set. But anyway, so we put it up together, and of course it looked really simple. All the pictures looked really easy. Uh, and um, I started. So you know how it is. You know you get something, it's got a picture, and man, it's all there and built and stuff. But then you start pulling it out of the box, and and you start pulling out the boards. Okay, yeah, kind of expected boards. But then you start pulling out the bolts and the nuts and the washers, and the locking washers, and all this stuff, and pretty soon you see, wow, this thing has 60,000 parts, right? And so um, I thought we were going to be putting it up in an evening. Well, three days later, we were putting on the finishing touches, and you know how it is. You're reading through those instructions, and it put, you know, says, put one half-inch carriage bolt through slot, you know, through hole in panel A, through hole C, and, and with a locking, you know, quarter-inch locking washer with a nut, and a flat washer on each side and all that stuff. Well, anyway, so we're going through these detailed instructions. By the way, and you know, all of these are written originally in Japanese, and someone transliterates them into English. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't make any sense whatsoever. So anyway, so we get through putting it all together, and the, you know, the, the, the 42 simple pages of instructions to get my swing set uh, um, constructed. And I get to the very end, and I think, thank the Lord, I am almost finished. And I get to the final step, the final instruction, and do you know what it says? Check bolts monthly for tightness, right? So, so not only do I have this deal that took me, you know, days to build, but in the end, I end up with a swing set for that for the rest of my life. I have to check on. I was looking for a, I was looking for a swing set. I wasn't looking for a lifetime commitment. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you know, it's like that sometimes in life. And and I think you know, you and I would always say would would see if there is something that's worthwhile in this life, it's going to cost us something. If there's something that's worth pursuing, it's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to take some work. And, you know, we know this about our marriages, although sometimes it's difficult for us to kind of, you know, after the honeymoon period, it's kind of hard to get to the point to say, you know what, this is hard work, marriage is. Yeah, it is. Amen? All of you who are married, it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, all, and <laughs> Amen. Uh, I don't know who that was. I'm not even looking over there. <clears throat> I don't know if your wife is here or not. <clears throat> but... Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Everything worthwhile takes work. And whether it's managing your finances and managing your dollars or if it's, or if it's marriage or if it's pouring into your children to try to build them up to be the kind of people that, that God wants us to build them up to be, no matter what it is, it costs you something. And in some cases, it, it hurts. I mean, it always does. It always will cost you something. <clears throat> well, today we're going to be talking the next several weeks about discipleship. And what it means to follow Jesus Christ, what it means to follow him. And one of the people that I love to, to talk about when it comes to this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you're familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer's story, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German. Um, he was a German pastor, and more than that, he also trained other pastors and trained people all throughout what was happening in, in Germany um, before and during World War II. Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, uh, was um, whenever... Um, Whenever Adolf Hitler was elected, is that oh my goodness, I've forgotten the term. But whenever he was elected, prior to his uh, being, you know, basically becoming the dictator over Germany, um, whenever he was elected to the head of the party that he served, oh my goodness, I should have refreshed my memory on all this stuff. I apologize. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the first one to speak out and say, "This is not going to end well." He he knew very well that the nationalism that that uh, that Adolf Hitler was trying to build was going to drive the German people to a place that they did not want to go. 
um, and yet um, he was kind of a lone voice in calling for um, people to, uh, to rid themselves of Adolf Hitler. He made himself an enemy of Hitler right off. However, he had some friends who were in, in the Nazi party, and so throughout the first period of, of the, of the uh, World War II, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually kind of got to serve um, in in part of the uh, in part of the regime there and do secretly the things that he was wanting to do, like training pastors, discipling people to disciple people, and he was absolutely sold out about it. He knew full well that anyone who would be who would be caught training and teaching other believers could be tried and could be killed by the Nazi Party, but he did it anyway. Um, he he believed that it was worth worth the effort. He wrote the book called The Cost of Discipleship, and in it he wrote um, things like this. Well, actually, this isn't a quote in this book. This is just one of the quotes when he talks about salvation but, or about discipleship. He said, salvation costs you nothing, but discipleship will cost you everything. Uh, salvation costs you nothing, but discipleship costs you everything. Um, to finish the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was put in prison um, ultimately because he was trying to protect Jews um, and, uh, and hide them from the Nazis from being uh, shipped out to be, to be slaughtered. And uh, he was in trouble for that. And then ultimately after uh, Valkyrie, you all, if you've seen the movie, after the, um, he was not involved in Valkyrie, but because of Valkyrie, um, the, uh, uh, Hitler had a whole bunch of, of the people who were close to him uh, beaten and, um, and tortured. And so one of the names that were given up is people who had been conspiring um, against Adolf Hitler was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was, uh, he was shot or hanged, I can't remember which, but he was killed in a prison camp just a few days before Germany was, was uh, freed, was, uh, before the Nazi party was, was, uh, was defeated there in Germany. Uh, but, uh, but that was Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life. He believed full well in discipleship, and he, he believed full well that even though he would risk his life to disciple other people, even though he would risk his life to follow Jesus to whatever he thought Jesus had called him to do, to stand up for Jews, to disciple other uh, believers, to disciple especially other pastors, and he believed it was worth it all. Yeah? He knew the cost. He knew the potential, and he decided it was worth it all, and he gave his life as a martyr for his faith. Beautiful thing. Sometimes we get a little confused, though, and especially, you know, we're good Southern Baptists, and there's a huge focus, and appropriately so, on salvation. And sometimes we think in really short terms about salvation. Sometimes in, in Southern Baptist circles, we tend to think of salvation as that moment in time where you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, or when you gave your life over, or when you invited him to your, your heart, or however you want to say it. However, salvation's much bigger than that, isn't it? Salvation's not just a moment in time. Salvation is God's redemption that he's poured out upon mankind so that, you know, those of us who come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are completely made new, right? And it's much more of a process than, 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 what we, uh, than how we tend to think of it. But, but just in the terms that we tend to think of it, that, that moment in time that we call salvation or when we're saved, that, is, that happens in an instant, but discipleship takes a lifetime. Um, salvation is something that God does for you, but discipleship is something that we do with God. And in those terms, salvation and discipleship, or maybe the wrong way we think about salvation, um, is very momentary and very simple and something that God does on our behalf, but discipleship takes everything that we have. Um, yeah, so we tend to focus on that moment. We tend to focus on that time, and we try to focus on, you know, getting people around us to focus on that moment to, to surrender their lives to the Lord or ask Jesus into their heart or whatever. But, but, uh, but Christianity is 
a lifelong devotion to Jesus. We're going to read some of Jesus' words here in a moment. And basically what you're going to hear him say, there, there's going to be a multitude of people following him. And right, so right, you and I, if there were a multitude of people following us, we'd give them like a, you know, this big cheerleader speech about how, hey, man, now that there's so many of us now, man, we're really going to do this. We're going to, we're going to take over the whole world. Jesus talks to them about, don't follow me unless you're committed. <laughs> don't, don't follow me unless you've counted the cost. Because there's a cost associated with following me. And, you know, it's kind of funny. So when Jesus starts to see the multitudes growing, he thins the herd by talking to them about commitment. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Okay. Um, so let's talk about that just real simply. What's a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? The, the very first thing I would say is it simply, the most simple terms probably is that it's someone who follows the Lord. Someone who follows him in faith and in obedience, someone who in their life wants to do what Jesus wants them to do with their lives, someone who said, I have my own agenda, I have my own desires, but what I really want in my life is to follow the Lord well, right? That's a, that's a disciple. Um, let, me, let me juxtaposition that just for a moment. It, as opposed to someone who says, I gave my life to Christ 20 years ago, and it really hasn't made any difference. Listen, when Jesus is thinning the herd by the, the stories that we're going to read from his mouth this morning, he's going to thin the herd of those people. He's going to tell those people, listen, you're either hot or cold. There, there is nothing in between. You're either going, you either need to follow me or you need to go back and reconsider. But, but there is no in between. There is no lukewarm, half-hearted following me. You either are going to make the decision or you need to go back and think about whether or not you really want to follow me. Because what he's asking for is devotion, full-hearted devotion to him and his cause. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So here we go. Um, so let's look in Luke chapter fourteen, verses twenty-five through 30, thirty-five. Luke, did I say that right? Luke chapter fourteen, verses twenty-five through thirty-five. It didn't sound right when I said it. Uh, Luke chapter fourteen. Jesus is going to say five different ways. He's going to say in five different terms or five different uh, illustrations the cost of following him. So let's just turn there. If you've got your Bibles with you um, in, uh, in Luke chapter 14. So Jesus talking about the cost of being a, being a disciple. We're going to read verses uh, 25 and 26 and then we'll continue on. So here we go. Large crowds. It also says multitudes in other versions. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned to them and he said, I'm sorry, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. I'm going to keep reading, and then we'll come back to these each, each portion. So verse 27, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he, is, if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with, with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. All right, so Jesus is going to say five different ways 
consider the cost of following me. So the very first thing he says is this really crazy, well, let me, let me say this. So Jesus is going to use some really, really, um, what's the word, vibrant, stark, maybe stark's a better word, really stark terms about following him, maybe more stark, maybe more distinctive terms than he uses for I, man, I'm having a hard time comparing this against anything else. He's using some really, uh, uh, maybe divisive even terms, really, really, really uh, harsh terms to talk about the cost of following him when compared to, to some other things that he talks about in his ministry. But it's some really stark terms. So the very first thing he says is that you have to hate your father, mother, wife, children, and brothers and sisters, and even his own life if you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Real quickly, here's something I want you always to remember, right? How do you interpret the Scriptures? With other Scriptures. Say it with me. How do you interpret the Scriptures? Yes, brilliant. Well played. Okay. So the way that we understand this is that, we, you know, you can't just... Here's, here's kind of the deal, right? All of us have been at a point in our lives where we're not reading the Bible, and then we open up the Bible and we try to interpret. You're, you can't do that, right? You, you, can't be, uh, you, can't, you can't be reading the Bible and then all of a sudden try to um, interpret it. It doesn't work that way. You have to have a working knowledge of the Scriptures to be able to interpret the Scriptures. Why? Because of verses like this that seem very difficult, very odd. They seem to be in contradiction, right? Because Jesus taught a lot about loving people, right? What did he, you tell me. You, tell me a few things. What, did you, what have you learned from Jesus? What does, he, what does he say about loving people? Love each other deeply for love covers over a multitude of sins. Brilliant. Yes, what else? Yeah, love each other unconditionally. As I have loved you, so love one another. He talks about that about the disciples loving each other in the church. What else? How about for your, what do you say about how to treat your enemies? Love them, pray for them, right? Yeah, incredible. No one else taught like that, did they? No one else said those kinds of things, but Jesus did. So, so Jesus is going to say more about loving people than anyone else, any other great teacher that's ever lived. Jesus is going to say more about it. So how is it here that he says you have to hate your father, mother, brother, or sister? I can't name them all. Even your own life if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, um, so the way to understand this is to put this in context with other scriptures we know. Is Jesus talking about literally hating your family? No. So, so what's he saying here? What he's saying here is that our relationship with him should be so far and beyond any other relationship we have. It's like a juxtaposition. I love my wife, but I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love my mother and father, but I love the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, is, a, it, is, a, it is a whole different kind of love that I have for him that I have for my own family. That's what he's calling us to. That's what, he, what it, that's what he says. It says our relationship with him and our love for him ought to be supreme even beyond our own families, even the love that we have for our own families. No one can be as significant to you as he is. Did you hear me? Ladies in particular. He, no one can be as significant to you as he is. Let me, let's uh, pull it up here, Jason. Uh, following Jesus is to have him as your first love. Isn't that what Jesus would say, too, in, in, in his book of Revelation to John? Um, is to have him as your first love. That there's no one in comparison to him in your life, even your own family. And what he's saying here, of course, now he's talking to a bunch of people who are Jews at this point of time, right? And so what he's telling them here is, is if you're going to follow me, it's probably going to cost you some of those relationships. Yeah. 
there would be people in, who, are, who are in Judaism who would, be, um, um, who, would, who would suffer in their relationships with their family because their families would not be able to come to terms with them following the Lord Jesus Christ instead of following in the, in the, the, the traditions of Judaism. Th- this would happen for them. Now, for us, this isn't, much of a, isn't, isn't too terrible of a concern, except that it's hard for us sometimes, isn't it, to give up a husband, to give up a wife, to give up someone, and, and, to, and to be okay with it, to still be okay with God when we've suffered the, the loss of that relationship. But Jesus says, you want to follow me? I'm first in your heart. Yeah? So first thing is what Jesus says uh, for following him, you've got to love me above everyone else. That's the first requirement of discipleship. I've got to be first in your heart. N- not, it, not second, not third, not after some love, beloved family number. I've got to be first. Right. This, is him for, this is the first step of him calling people out and calling people out of their half-hearted commitment who, who want to say, well, I love God, but I, man, I, I love my family so much, I can't, live them, I can't let them go, I can't do whatever. The very first thing he says, you've got to love me first. You've got to love me most. My relationship with you has to matter to you more than anyone else. Yeah, this is why we say that discipleship costs you everything. Here's step one. He wants all your heart. He wants all your devotion. He wants to be the most significant, the most loved, the most cherished person uh, in your life. That's what he requires to follow him. Yeah? Okay. Let's move on. Verse 27, um, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Uh, Boy, when he said this, people must have been just shocked or confused. What, What incredible language. The people of Jerusalem of this day, the, the, the people of, of, of Israel of this day, they knew full well what he was referring to. The Roman government, right, so if you broke, a, a severely broke some of the law, Roman law, one of the things that they could do, they could whip you, they could beat you. If you had really messed up or if you'd really made mad one of the governors or Roman, the Roman officials, they could have you, what, crucified. Crucifixion was the ultimate punishment, right? This was reserved for the people who had really ticked off those in authority or those who enacted in rebellion against the Roman government. So do you see the picture that the Romans were trying to paint? By forcing a guy to carry the method of his death penalty, by forcing him to carry the, that, that, that cross on his shoulder and to bear under that weight was a picture for the Roman government to everyone else who was watching. They violated Roman law, but they will die under it. They will die under its authority. Yeah, you get that? So, so ultimately, the, the picture is, is that no one can get away. No one can, is, is exempt from the authority of, the Roman, of Roman law. You see the picture? Uh, th- this, was a, this was a dramatic picture, a dramatic um, um, a metaphor, a word picture by the Roman government says everyone is under our authority. Even the people who don't, even the people who act like they're not, are going to go to their death under the authority of the Roman government. You get it? Yeah? See that? Okay, so Jesus says, you want to follow me? You've got to carry your cross. Strange picture, isn't it? Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be in submission to my authority. If you want to follow me, you've got to submit yourself. And not only is it the submission to authority, it's the submission and then also the denial of self. Look what he says. Uh, verse 27, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be his disciple. In other parts, in other, uh, parts of the scripture, in other gospels, he says, he says, and deny himself, right? There's a part of submission that says, 
I, will, I respect your authority, and I give away my own lordship. I give away my own uh, ability to have command or control all over, over my life, and I'm put, giving it to someone else. In this case, what Jesus is saying is, you've got to carry your cross. You've got to be willing to submit, and you've got to be willing to die. You've got to be willing to deny yourself to the point of death um, if you want to follow me. Tough terms, aren't they? I mean, talk about commitment. You know, Jesus says, well, you know, you've got to be enlisted for two years, and you've got to go on a missionary journey for that long. And uh, no, Jesus says, you have to be willing to die for my calling. You've got to be willing to submit completely to my authority. Uh, how about that? How about that for commitment? Right, this is much more difficult, right, than we ask for, uh, for people to be involved in church. But, uh, but here we go. Following Jesus is to willingly submit to him and to die to yourself. Uh, that term denial of self that we see in some of the other passages, um, you remember when Peter um, was asked um, about whether or not he knew Jesus? He was asked three different times. You remember when the, 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 the crow crowed? Uh, he was asked three different times. The rooster crowed. The crow. Sorry, the rooster crowed. Um, he was asked three different times, do you know him? Don't you know him? Aren't you one of them? And three times he what? Denied Christ. This is that same word that's used in some of these other, um, uh, other gospel accounts to deny self, and that's to say, I don't know him, right? I, I don't know myself. I, I, I deny myself. I don't, know, I don't know myself as Lord of my life. The only Lord, the only one who I'm saying has control over my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. I've given that up, right? I, I, I've denied myself, and I've given that control over to the Lord. Now, he's in control. He's in the control, and, and I'm under his authority, and I'm in submission to him. That's the second thing Jesus Christ asked for. The first thing he asked for is all of your heart. The second thing he asked for is total submission to his calling. Yeah, total commission. Now, here again, so let me juxtapose, right? Okay, so there are a number of people in church who by label are believers. They call themselves Christians. They may have Christian gear, right? They may have Christian t-shirts. They may have Christian necklaces. They may have Christian tattoos, but when you look in your life, when you look in their lives, you can't see any way that they've given Jesus Christ authority over their lives. They live any way they want in total opposition to what Jesus says it takes to be one of his disciples. Now listen, you and I, every one of us has struggled with that, right? Every one of us has struggled to die to self. Matter of fact, you might say it takes a lifetime to figure that out. It takes a lifetime for me to willingly want to lay aside my life and to do what the Lord Jesus Christ wants. But the, but, but the, the difference is, is that someone who's not doing it at all, someone who's not even fighting, someone who's not even making the struggle versus someone who says, I know I have this problem. I have a hard time dying to myself. I have a hard time dying to my own will. I, I, I want to do what I want to do, even when it's in opposition to what I know the Lord Jesus Christ would want, right? Every one of us struggles with this, but this is part of the lifetime part of discipleship, yeah? All right, so let's continue on. So the first thing he says is that I want your whole heart. You've you got to have him as your first love. The second thing is you've got to be willing to submit to him fully. And then let's read the next two accounts. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost? Here he's going to talk about counting the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays a foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Right? This is the account of the, the tower to nowhere, right? Where a guy sat down and didn't have enough to finish. And Jesus has said, following me is like this. You need to sit down and figure out if you're willing to pay the price. Right? Okay. Verse 20, 31 through 33 is much the same. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another, another king. 
while he, um, I'm sorry, will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So here he's saying in two different ways, he's saying, consider the cost of following me. Before you come after me, consider the cost, right? Jesus wasn't a salesman. Jesus wasn't going across and saying, ah, oh, you know, follow me is easy. Just sign up and I want to, you know, 100 million followers and, and follow me on, on Twitter, whatever. No, he's, he's calling people to say, you have to commit. Listen, salvation is free, but discipleship costs you everything. Following the Lord Jesus Christ costs you everything. In verse 34, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, I forgot this part. Uh, the next thing. So first is that he wants to he wants to be he wants to have all of your heart. He wants to be your first love. Following Jesus is to be willing to submit to him and to die to yourself. And this last thing, following Jesus is to consider the cost and decide it's worth it. Yeah, to follow Lord Jesus Christ means that you and I have sat down and we've we've considered the cost. And let's talk about that just for a minute. What's the cost of following Lord Jesus that that other people don't have to pay? Here's one. And outside of Christianity, someone calls you a bad name, what do you do? <laughs> Call them one right back, right? In Christianity, what do you do? Someone hits you. Outside of Christianity, what do you do? You hit them back. In Christianity, what does Jesus tell you to do? Turn the other cheek. We love that one, don't we? Yeah, that's tough, isn't it? Um, in, in Christianity, someone wrongs you. Someone, matter of fact, just makes it very obvious that they're opposed to you and they're your enemy. They talk you down. They say things about you behind your back to other people. They do those kinds of things. They make it full well known that you, they are essentially your enemy. Outside of Christianity, what do you do? You talk them down, right? You, you, you oppose them at every moment. You, you confront them and tell them about how, you know, what a horrible, terrible person you are and you run them down as best you can. In Christianity, what do you do? Love them and pray for them. Is that tough? In Christianity, how are you, you know, what do you do with the first 10% of the dollars that you, that you have? Yeah, you give it back. In, in the rest of the world, the ter- first 10% is just like the last 10%. You do whatever you want. Is this expensive? Is, it, is, this, is this costly to follow Jesus? How about this? This is one of the tough ones. Something tragic happens in your life. Someone dies, someone's taken away from you. You suffer because your, your mother or father weren't around when they should have been. You suffer because your, your marriage dissolved and it shouldn't have been. You suffer because your children are doing things that you don't want them doing. And God says, trust me anyway. Trust me through it, right? Outside of Christianity, that's not a struggle, right? Outside of believing in the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, outside of here, that is very easy because you know what? All this is an accident anyway. We're just going to, there's just going to be a time where this all ends and it's going to be all over. But in Christianity, God says, trust me through this. Believe in my goodness. Have faith and struggle through this with me. Wrestle with me through this, right? God invites us to really wrestle with him through those difficult things, doesn't he? Very interested in the process of, of changing our hearts, isn't he? Yeah. It's costly. It's difficult to follow the Lord Jesus. He, he calls us to go to places that we don't necessarily want to go. Matter of fact, he'd say that to his disciples, wouldn't he? Where I'm going, you cannot follow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so anyway, so let's read about salt here at the very end. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So here in this last passage, verse 35, it is neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. In the very end, he's talking about the disciple 
who's lost his saltiness, the disciple who's become what he would say in, in, uh, in Revelation, that, that disciple that's become lukewarm, right? Yeah, the, the disciple who would, be, who would be lukewarm, not hot nor cold. I, I think it's interesting in all these discussions, Jesus is, is challenging two things. He says either follow me or go back and consider the cost. He's either say be hot to follow me or be cold and go f- figure out whether or not you want to do this. But you know the people he doesn't leave room for are the people who are lukewarm and half-hearted, right? There's no room for that. Either you go back to the beginning and you figure out whether or not you want to do this or we press on and you, and you decide this is this, this, the cost I've considered and I've determined that he's worth it. Amen. Amen. I, I tell you, you know, we, we all go through struggles. We all go through trials. We all have to have to uh, do things in our lives that we're not comfortable with. We know that the Lord places his possession on us and, and he, he possesses us in a way that, that we're under his authority and he calls us to do things sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. He calls us to do things that are very trying. Um, he calls us to love people who are unlovable. He calls us to do things that we don't want to do, right? But in the end, like I talked last week, he's like the treasure in the field. I've decided and I believe you have too, He's worth it all. Amen? He's worth it all. He's worth all the struggle. He's worth all the trouble, all the pain, all the difficulty in trying to reconcile the, 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 the suffering in my life with his goodness and, and trying to believe and to follow him no matter what happens in my life. He's worth it all when he calls me to give and calls me to do things that I don't want to do that's a contrary to my own desires, contrary to the way that I want to live, and I've, and I've decided it's worth it. He's worth it because like the guy who sold everything he had in his joy and bought that field decided that he's worth it amen amen you with me all right let's let's uh so let's 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 do this so um here's another here's dietrich bonhoeffer i'll 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 start and finish with a quote from him today christianity without discipleship is christianity without christ like that you give you a minute to soak that in let that soak in christianity Without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. Listen, one of the things I know is that in this, both here in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 14 and then also in the, the revelation to John uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that um, Jesus says, I can't accept lukewarmness. I can't accept half-heartedness. You either need to decide that you are hot and desiring to follow me or you need to go back to the beginning and and figure out whether or not I'm worth the cost. But there's nothing in between, right? There's nothing in between. We either have to make the decision to follow him or we need to go back to the beginning and say, is it worth it? Yeah. So I want to ask you where you're at today. He calls us, you know, and, and here's the beauty of it all. He calls every one of us the same way he did his, his very first disciples. He, he comes to us all, each one of us, and he says, follow me. He, he invites us. It, it's, not that, it's not that he hasn't invited you, if you're a believer, right? He's invited you to follow. The, the, the bad thing is, is that you and I struggle sometimes to be good followers. Yeah? We struggle, and we may go months, we may go years to struggle with being a good follower and be fully obedient to what we know he's called us to do. 
We're going to be talking about discipleship. We're going to be talking about, about how to do it. We're going to be talking about some of the disciplines of discipleship and in, in meditating and being in the Word and prayer. We're going to be talking about how you and I um, are, 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 uh, should be involved in, in helping disciple each other. Um, how we ought to be a disciple-making church, that that's really the goal of, of every church and, and, and of ours in particular. That, that's our goal is to build up and to make disciples. But here's what I wanted you to do through all of this. If you've been on the sidelines, I want, just want to tell you, Jesus has asked you to follow him. I, I want to ask you, you know, I was reading something. I can't remember who said it. Um, um, I'll bring the quote next week. It's really good. But, but basically, he, he, here's what he said. He said, the tragedy of Christ's death was not the death of Christ. It was that his disciples were sleeping. You like that? Yeah, listen. God, in, in many other parables, Jesus, Jesus Christ would call out, and he said, you can't be asleep. You can't be on the sidelines. You have to make a decision to follow me. And he calls every one of us today, just like he did a couple of thousand years ago, and he gives us the invitation, will you follow me? Will you follow? If you've been on the sideline, will you get up? If you've been slumbering, if you've been asleep, would you wake up? Would you make a decision and to, to, that you're going to, with his help, and oh my goodness, I need his help to follow him well. You, I need his help. There are times where I've got to pray, Lord, I don't have the desire to follow you in this. I don't even want it. I don't even want to follow you well here. You're going to have to change that in my heart. My heart has been wrecked by sin, and you've got to fix it because you're the only one who can. You've got to put that desire for your word in my heart. You've got to put that desire for prayer in my heart. You've got to help me exclude the extractions around me so that I could listen and meditate and have time with you every day. Yeah? Every one of us struggle with that. Every one of us do. I promise. Yeah. But here's the deal is to make the decision to say, Lord, I want to follow you better than I am following you today. Are you with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we contemplate these words, and oh my goodness, these are, these are some of the most difficult words that the Lord Jesus Christ said. You know, so much of, so much, Lord Jesus, of what you said in, in the Gospels is so, so sweet and so, so loving and so, so forgiving. And yet when it came to discipleship, Lord, it just seems so much, so much harsher than some of the other things that you taught us. But Lord, we know if it's in your word, we know that it's true. We know that, uh, that we want to be better followers. We, we know that we want to be better at, at loving you first, about putting you first in our hearts. Lord, we know that we want to be more willing to submit and, and, to, and to know what your will is and to be obedient to what your will is and not to just live any way we want to. Lord, we also um, we, we want to think about what the cost of following you is and, and we want to be like the man who sold everything he had in joy and bought that field. We want to be like that man who's considered the cost and decided that you're worth it. So, Heavenly Father, I pray, as you give an invitation to each of us to follow you, I pray that, Lord, we would be fast behind you. I pray, Lord, that we would follow quick in your footsteps. I, follow, I pray, Lord, for those who are, who are here today, who've been on the sidelines, who have not been obedient and have not cared about what you wanted in their lives. But, Lord, you're calling them today to follow you in obedience. I pray you'd give them the courage to follow through. I pray, Lord, for those who have been far away from you, who have not been praying, who have not been seeking you, who haven't been meditating on, on your word. Lord, give us all a greater desire to seek after you. Get a, give us all a greater desire to, to have time with you every day. Lord God, because we know that we know. We know that we need it. Help us, Father. We want to be your followers. We want to follow you well. 
We want to consider the cost and say in the end that you're worth it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these words. It's in the name of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Boy, thanks for being here today. It's great to see you guys, and I hope you all have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week.